and welcome to Dairy Free State. We are now on episode eight, uh, where we talk about the intersection between food and health. And when I say health, I'm not just talking about your physical health, but also your emotional, spiritual health, whatever health means to you. Uh, we like talking about here, which brings me to introducing our guest today, Annie Wagner Laforte. Annie, it's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Sammy. This is exciting. Oh, good. I'm glad you're excited. That's always the best. Uh, <laughs> so to kick it off, I just want you to uh, tell me uh, what your diet is and how long you've been eating that way and what what brought you around to eating that way? Sure. So I am uh, avoiding gluten. So I have uh, a non-celiac gluten sensitivity. I learned this. It's been several years now. I don't remember the actual year, but it's been several years, probably um, you know most of a decade that I've been eating this way. Um, I found this out. I was noticing some changes in my energy level, um, having some joint pain, noticing... Um, just, you know, some things with mood and it, it made me curious. And so I started to ask some questions, eventually made my way to a nutritionist who had me do some, some testing, um, to kind of solidify my suspicions that I, um, needed to change my diet in a way. So we did, you know, an elimination diet, um, and came down to, uh, learning that I needed to avoid gluten. Gotcha. So, um, is there anything else that you avoid? Are there any other trigger foods that you have? Or is that really gluten that's kind of the biggest culprit for you? Gluten has been the biggest culprit. And since I don't have celiac disease, you know, I have allowed myself at points to kind of maybe have a little bit of something containing gluten here and there, um, just to kind of check back in and, and you know, reassure, oh, yep, this is, it. this is, you know, 48 hours later, I'm feeling the effects um, of what's, what, you know, is happening after I eat those things. So I, I do also eat mostly a plant-based diet. I'm not strictly vegan or, you know, vegetarian, um, but my diet these days is mostly plant-based. Um, so that's, that's by choice. Yeah. Um, so what kind of, uh, what, what, what was the hardest part about transitioning to a mostly gluten-free diet for you? Yeah, well, at the time, I was still working as a pastry chef. In oh, no. um, I, I um, worked as a pastry chef for about 10 years. And so in that time, um, that was when I had this testing done and learned. And I, it, was, it was fairly traumatic um, in that sense. <laughs> And even, and especially as we were, you know, doing the testing, I remember there was one day where I thought, okay, you know, I can, I can avoid, you know, the, the, the wheat and whatever, but if I ever had to avoid cheese and the next day my nutritionist had said, oh, well, I want you to avoid dairy because we're, it was when we were still doing the elimination diet. Sure. Yeah. And it was, you know, your, your, your blog here, our, uh, the dairy free state. And I'm going, oh my gosh, like I could never. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I remember during that time though, you know, I had, I had, thought, okay, I can do this. And then that came up with the, with avoiding dairy, which I didn't think I could do. Um, so anyway, back to the, the pastry chef days, you know, I had to taste things and make sure that they were consistent, um, that I was bringing something decent to, you know, the restaurant I was working at. And so it just really threw me. Um, I, I, I didn't quite know what to do there for a while. So that I eventually stopped doing that. I can't say it was solely because of my restrictions, but it, it certainly had a big effect on that. 
Yeah, because if you're around it all the time, that just sounds like torture. Oh my goodness. And I, I'm one of those pastry chefs when people say, have, do, you must not have a sweet tooth anymore, right? You know, you're not tempted. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's worse. It was worse than ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it was very tempting. Oh man. So because you were a pastry chef, I mean, did you kind of challenge yourself to get creative with the things that you could create that were gluten-free that would work for you? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have to, um, I, I wasn't required to provide a lot of those items at the place I was working. Um, I know that I brought a couple of uh, items onto the menu, you know, even if it was just ice cream or something, um, something that I knew people could eat that I, that they would appreciate having, um, you know, something else that's another option. And so in my home cooking or in my classes that I teach, which I can tell you about um, a little yeah. bit later, um, it, I always say having been, you know, a chef or pastry chef, that was a huge advantage for me in figuring out, you know, re um, navigating or navigating that new territory is that because I knew kind of the basics of that and I, and I was used to cooking and baking from scratch, um, I was able to more easily transition into, you know, a gluten-free pantry instead of having to automatically, you know, resort to pre-made or, you know, mixes or that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, it was definitely a learning curve, but I am grateful that I had those basics um, to go from there. Yeah. So you said, so you're teaching classes now. Right. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So my business is currently called MP. It's uh, It started out as Mindful Palette, which was just the cooking aspect of it. I've been teaching cooking classes and food preservation classes since uh, 2003. And so then I just, I began um, teaching yoga a couple of years ago. So that evolved into Mindful Palette Movement Practitioner, Milwaukee Proud. So I'm, I'm currently in the process of rebranding and redoing my website so that that name is where I am now and what I'm doing. Um, stay tuned for more. But anyway, I've been teaching classes um, to mostly adults. I've taught to kids and families as well. So I teach, my focus is, you know, from scratch, whole foods, local foods. And I have found a niche with uh, the gluten-free classes as well as um, teaching a lot of vegetarian and vegan classes. I also teach food preservation. I'm a Wisconsin certified master food preserver and oh, I nice. basic culinary knife skills. So, um, you know, I, I say, uh, if, if you want me to teach a class on butchering, like I could, you know, these are things I learned in school, but it's not really what I want to focus on now. So I have created this, this niche with, uh, with those, especially with the gluten-free cooking and baking. Yeah. Cause with gluten-free baking, I mean, I've done some of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, you've got to get used to, because because when you're baking with, you know, glutinous ingredients, you yeah. kind of get used to like, this is what the consistency is For like, sure. and this is what the portions are like. And then when yeah. you have to do gluten free, it's like you got to retrain your brain to what feels and looks normal and how it's yeah. going to come out. I feel like it's much trickier. <laughs> yeah. And I tell my students, you know, whether it's with gluten free baking or, you know, even, you know, you're talking about, you know, avoiding dairy, I say you have to change your expectations. So yeah. there can be wonderful, there are wonderful um, recipes and products that we can find that are, you know, dairy-free, vegan, gluten-free, but they're not going to be the same as, 
that original product. I mean, I think a lot of people who are, you know, are vegan, they're not trying to achieve something that, you know, has the texture of meat necessarily because they don't want that. So gluten, it's a little bit different. Um, You know, we are, we are trying to achieve a certain consistency. You know, we want things to hold together. Um, That's, that's a big thing is like, you know, you you want it to at least hold together and not be crumbly, um, whether it, you know, has the same, the same lift, the same, you know, airiness as something glutinous is is another story. But, but that's definitely one of the big things that I focus on. It's like, it's change your expectations. Um, And then people, once they dig into it, they realize that, you know, they don't miss some of the things. In fact, there are some parts of gluten-free baking or cooking that um, you might find that you like even better than you know, let's say the original product. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's this I still think about this one vegan gluten free cupcake I got in Austin one time, Mm because it was like, and I know people don't like the M word. So I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say it. I'll just say it was um, Oh, I'm just going to say moist. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I just know people hate that word. And I'm like, I shouldn't say it on a podcast, but like, that's what it was. Like, there's no other way to describe it. Right. It just was that. Right. So it went, but it was really good. And that's like, I still think about it. And I think about yeah. how I don't think I've ever had a, like a regular cupcake that, that had that texture to it. And sure. I was like, I don't know how they did it. They must be wizards, but yep. It was really good. So yeah, there's definitely like ways to make it possible. And I feel like I, I've run into that a lot with dairy-free or vegan baked goods. Like people, yeah. I, I have kind of learned if they don't need to know, I don't always there you tell go. them. I That's just right. give it to them. And That's then right. they're like, this is so good. Like if I know that there's no ingredient in there that's going to harm sure. them, you know, I just, I will just give it to them. And then I'll be like, oh, by the way, that was vegan. And they're like, yeah. wow, is that possible? Yeah. You know, it's like, Cause there's really good. I mean, yeah, there's good ingredients out there. There's good products out there. And I mean, so how long ago was it that you started going gluten-free? Oh, I always say several years. And I mean, my daughter's 11 now. It had to be when she was maybe three. I have this picture okay. in my head of me. Um, I don't know the beginning of it. Cause my, my, my body was, my weight was changing because of some of that stuff. I was very inflamed before. And I remember this picture of when I started to feel like I wasn't so puffy. Um, but yeah, so it, it has been several years, but like you were just saying, you know, I come from a family of meat and potato eaters and lots and lots of bread. And so when you can wow people with either vegan food or gluten-free that are used to that and they, you know, they come to the table with this, well, I'm not going to like this. And when you can wow them, it's like, that is a huge accomplishment. (laughs) Yeah. I always feel like very magical when I can do that. And uh, yeah, I was, I was asking how many years, because I mean, I feel like in the last because of how our options have changed over the years, you know, and like, there's so many more resources now than there ever was. There's so many more places to get the the right ingredients. And, and I just remember when I started, like, I remember the first gluten-free bread I ever ate, which was probably like 12 years ago now. And it was just like chalky and it fell apart and it was just like all made of rice. And I was like, sad. This is really sad. Yeah, Uh, It doesn't have to be sad. um, I can touch on that. So I used to write for the Outpost Exchange magazine. I wrote for them for about 12 years. Oh, okay, cool. And I remember in, I think it was 2004, doing an article about celiac disease and, you know, interviewing, um, 
you know, health, health practitioners, but also um, interviewing the gal who owns the gluten-free trading company, which used to be here in my neighborhood in Bayview. And now it's, it's moved yes. west, but it's yeah. still around. But that was like I didn't know no one place. What's that? I didn't, sorry. I didn't know that it was still around because. Yeah, uh, I think it's out in the Western suburbs. Okay. Um, got it. I believe so. I mean, I mean, things could have changed um, because I haven't visited there specifically because we can get these these ingredients so many places. But I remember when that was the place that you would go to get anything. And now, you know, you can go to, you know, your mainstream grocery store or, of course, you know, Outpost Natural Foods or other co-ops or um, natural food stores. And it's super easy to get those. So not only to have access to the ingredients, but even if, you know, if people are choosing pre-made, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit I, um, I buy my, you know, my gluten-free bread. I buy it. It's, it's funny because somebody said to me recently, like, uh, about baking bread. And I said, well, no, 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 no. Bread baking and pastries two different arts. <laughs> I, I can do the pastries all day, but like bread baking is a whole other thing, especially gluten-free bread, bread baking. So anyway, I buy uh, gluten-free bread and, you know, there are all these options now, but I remember, like you were saying, it used to be, you know, this specific brand and it was that bread that no matter how long you put it in the toaster, it wouldn't, it wouldn't turn yeah. brown. Um, and not to, not to say anything bad about that bread, but like there are so many other ones that make you feel kind of normal. Like, oh, I don't have to settle for this thing. that's just like starchy and ricey. Like now I can have something that seems, you know, cause it seemed like we were um, always getting kind of like the lesser, like, well, you know, here's this person coming into the restaurant who is gluten-free. Like if, if this is me, if I was going out to dinner somewhere and, you know, you just get like the, you know, the twigs and berries cause yeah, the real stuff. The good stuff was for the people who could eat anything. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, totally. So, like, yeah, I, remember, I, I remember writing that article, and and there were just like it was still so there was so much mystery and like what, <laughs> you know, what do we do? And now we know so much more. People have done so much more experimenting with with recipes. It's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. I I have a very distinct memory. I've I've talked about this with other people on the podcast, and I wrote about it on my blog, and I wrote a little ebook about it too. My experience with restaurants, for sure, because when yeah. when you hit the right restaurants, it's awesome. And sure. and I I put a list of like sixteen restaurants that are like awesome to dairy free cool. people that I love in Milwaukee. And but I remember I went to this one restaurant, and I won't name it. I actually yeah. don't think it's around anymore. Okay. <laughs> so well, there you go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> they didn't even have like dairy free bread there's a lot of things that have dairy in it that you wouldn't expect like right. yeah, like bread and lunch meat and salad dressings and there's some really sneaky stuff out there and so they told me they're like we don't have any bread in our entire restaurant that's dairy free but they didn't but they didn't tell me until they like brought out what I ordered because I had ordered a yep. sandwich and yep. I was like but I can't have uh, any dairy, if there's dairy in the bread or whatever. So they like, they basically just brought me out like lunch meat with like a slice of lettuce. And they were like, here you go. And I was like, if I had known that that's what you were going to bring me, I wouldn't have ordered it. Like, are you kidding? Like this, it was really sad. Yeah. Cause you don't have to put dairy in bread. So that's interesting that they didn't have I feel like all they had were like brioche rolls and stuff. So I was like, cool. Yeah. You're like, thanks. Well, that's great. Um, So it was very limiting. And I was like, and and it's, it's not like I'm asking for the world or anything, but I feel like every menu should have like 
a vegetarian option, a gluten-free right. option, you know, a vegan and a dairy, free, like, yeah. a, you know, like the common allergens and common diets where it's not like your only option is, yeah, like twigs and berries or like a sure. tiny nibble or a yeah, salad. Like, like, like it's the, it's the scraps or it's the, it's the afterthought. Let's put it that way. The afterthought. Oh, you can't eat this. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. We'll go cobble something together. And, you know, now there are some chefs and, and restaurants out there that are just doing incredible incredible dishes that are, you know, vegan and gluten-free that not because they have to, because that there are so many beautiful things we can create without those. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's so interesting to me. I, I, for some, this is what just popped in my head, mm -hmm. but like I, I did, um, I was in some talks about like website accessibility, which is something I'm always thinking about, like, oh, I got to make sure to transcribe my podcast and all that, mm -hmm. you know, like, because if you don't make your website accessible, you're closing the door to like 20% right. of your potential visitors. Yeah. Um, and same thing with restaurants. It's like, if you don't, if you're not catering to some really common diets, you know, you're closing your door to, to people who probably want to give you business. So it's not right. like, okay, you have to make everything cater to, you know, That's I right. get it. And then like, if you're, and I had this conversation with a friend too, where it's like, well, if you're a, like a diner place or whatever, I kind of get it, but still it's not that hard to do. And, and you're, and you're opening up the door to more people in your community. Yeah. And it takes, so it's it all takes good. feeling. Yeah. But if you can do that, um, you know, I think of, there's a bakery here in, in Bayview called Moore and they're gluten-free. And I still go in there, you know, I've, I've developed a, a rapport with the owner and I still go in there and I'm like, wait, so I can eat anything in this. <laughs> I still can't believe it because it's, it's not what I'm used to. And it's just everything that I've ever had there, you know, whether it's their, their bakery or their, um, soups is just incredible. And so, you know, to be, to have a place like that, where people who don't have to adhere to that diet want to come like that's, that is skill. That's incredible. So I still go to restaurants and I, you know, I'm, I try to stay under the radar because I don't want the like, mm -hmm. oh, you're that person. And I realize yeah. that it's important to speak up and say these things and ask the questions, you know, especially if I had celiac, which I fortunately don't. But, um, because I know a good bit about food preparation, like I know if there's a cream soup, it likely has a roux, which is, you know, flour and fat. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stay away from that or I'm going to ask, hey, is this, you know, is this made with wheat flour? So I try to just sort of look at the menu and know, well, I'm imagining that this has this in it. So um, fortunately, I've been able to stay under the radar a little bit. And that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> why do I have to feel ashamed? You know, because <laughs> I just want to be treated like a normal, a normal person. I know. It's but, so weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, you know, this, this was, I was just editing this episode where my friend and I were talking about, like, you kind of know, as soon as you go into a restaurant, uh, the ones that kind of get it and the ones that yeah. don't and where you're going to, and where you feel more comfortable asking those questions Definitely. or not, like depending on how the menu is and how the server answers your first couple questions, yes. you, you know, how the rest of, of your, you know, time there is going to go. So right. I'm very careful. Like if I ask somebody, um, you know, if, if, if something has dairy in it and they tell me that I, that something has mayo in it and I'm like, well, that's egg. Right. Like then I already know that they probably don't get sure. what I'm asking. 
And I'm going to just have to proceed with caution because they're also probably going to forget about butter. So (laughs) it's an opportunity for education too. I mean, some people don't know that they don't know and no disrespect to them. No, Um, that's true. I think of a restaurant I went to, this was a few years ago now, and I wanted, I don't know, we went for like a fish fry, which is really not, um, it's not, it's off limits for me to have a typical fish fry and I'm okay with that. But um, I asked for, uh, you know, we were having some beverages and when I asked if there was a gluten-free, I don't know, beer or something, the gal brought me, I don't think I even actually ordered it. She brought me, or no, I asked for a cider and she brought me a Red's Ale. Oh, you know, and she didn't know, you know, it's, it's an apple ale, but she thought, okay, apples. And it was a hard cider and I was trying, but she didn't know that this is actually a beer. So I, and I'm, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, they're telling people that, you know, this is, this is crazy, you know? And, and I just realized that it was an opportunity for me to not in a, um, not in a, you know, an uppity kind of a way, but to right, say, yeah. hey, by the way, just so you know, you know, cause I don't want the next person to come in who maybe doesn't know. And then somebody's actually going to get sick. I don't know. So it's, it's an opportunity for education in a respectful way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I there's, I've kind of picked my battles with those over the yeah, years, you, I feel it, you know, where I'm like, I don't know if they're going to uh, even retain what I'm saying. Cause I feel like they're busy and they, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just like, they're really, it's a busy night and they're trying to manage six tables. Sure. And I'm not going, you know, but if like, yeah. yeah, if it's chill and they're like, Oh, like, cause I've, I've totally had the, I've had plenty of servers who are really attentive and they'll be yeah. like, okay, so can you explain to me, I'm going to write this down yeah. and I'm going to go back to the kitchen yeah. and I'm going to talk to them about exactly what you said to me. And they'll even ask like, is it an allergy or an intolerance if, if something is made, you know, prepared in the same container, you know, is that sure. fine? And, and then I'm like, okay, you, you know, you get it. And it's even trickier because sometimes like, so I can eat uh, goat cheese, which is yes. awesome. Yes. I've, and, I've about that with, with dairy. Um, yeah. 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 So goat cheese and sheep cheese are okay for me. Mm-hmm. So then it gets even trickier going to a restaurant you know, cause it's like, just like if you are gluten sensitive, but you don't have celiac, it's like, right. you got to figure out the way to describe it to get what you want. Like, okay, well, if it's fried in the same thing, then that's probably, you know, yeah, well, I don't know about do with it. you, but usually yeah. people are like, it's probably okay. Um, but I don't want it like dusted with breadcrumbs or something. Right. Right. And I'm like, you know, if it's, if it's cow, like if it's feta and it's, if you know, it's goat cheese, yeah. if you don't know, if you're, if there's even a hint of a question, just don't bring it to me, sure. <laughs> just leave it off, you know? And so it's like, you always have to do those like mental gymnastics, but right. And yeah. like you said, you kind of read the the server and I do that too. And I, and again, I'm grateful that I have a, um, a sense of how things are prepared because when I can see, oh, this person doesn't have time and having been a server, like I know what that feels like Yeah, totally. be best for your customer, but I, I can kind of read it. You know what? I'm going to make this the least um, high maintenance that I, least maintenance that I can for this person and just choose something simple and still have a good experience. I, you know, it, I've been very humbled when I worked in fine dining um, a couple decades ago here in Milwaukee, we had some regulars at our restaurant who uh, well, we had one regular in particular who had, uh, she brought in like a card of food she couldn't eat. 
and our chef kept it on file. So when she would come in, oh, so-and-so's here and he would look it up, which is great. And she came in regularly enough that, you know, um, that, you know, that they were, they were willing to cater, but then it got to the point where the next time she came in, she had another six things she couldn't eat. And then she could eat this thing again, but then she, so then, so then all the servers were like, Oh, this person, you know? And so before I had any things I had, anything I had to avoid, and before I really understood this, I was the server who looked at those people and was like, Oh my God, here we go. Yeah. You know? So I'm <laughs> humbled now understanding, and I still don't, you know, quite know what that situation was um, and how somebody could have such fluctuations and, um, you know, she had allergies to things that was like, who has an allergy to like, you know, let's just say pomegranates, maybe, I mean, whatever, maybe there is, I don't know. Um, but it was every time when she came in something different, we couldn't, we could hardly keep track. So I, I really, I remember having an attitude about that <laughs> and I've been very humbled knowing how that must feel now that I have my own, um, restrictions. So it's interesting. It's been a learning curve for me as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm kind of in that situation of that lady who's writing up the card right now. And I mean, both because like, I'm not really leaving the house and, and because of my dietary restrictions, which started in January, like I really haven't, I've ordered very little food out in like the last six months, I've probably ordered out six times. Sure. Um, because I'm eating a low FODMAP diet right now. Um, to manage like intestinal issues. Mm-hmm. Yep. And before that I was doing, um, so I got diagnosed with SIBO at the beginning of the year, uh, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, just kind of like a long way of saying I've got bad bacteria in my okay. gut. And um, the there's all these different recommended diets. And basically they were like, you've got to just try one and see how you yeah. feel. And yeah. if it doesn't work, try a different one. And I'm like, okay, so I've kind of been my own guinea pig. And like, right. uh, so I started with a r- extremely restrictive diet. Like they have mm-hmm. the SIBO diet and it was basically like I could eat um, any meat I wanted. Great. Cause I really don't like meat that much. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, and like some vegetables, uh, the only fruit I could have was like a lemon and a lime. And it's like, would I go into a restaurant with restrictions like this, no. <laughs> yeah, what it, yeah, I would not subject somebody to that because it's too complicated. Yes, like, and no disrespect to the person who actually is allergic to pomegranates. I was just using that as an example. No, no, but it's like you get to the point where it's like you've got to understand that like a restaurant can only do so much, and they're trying to serve so many people, they can't yeah. just serve you. But it's like if you've got basic requests, I feel like any restaurant should be able to accommodate. Right. Um, but I was like you know, right now, low FODMAP is like no onion, no garlic. And that's really hard because that stuff's in everything. So I really, the best luck I've had is if I can order something from a place that's like a build your own, whatever, you know, if it's like a poke bowl or, or a burger or a salad. Yeah. Where, or like, um, uh, there's like mod pizza, they have uh gluten-friendly crust and you can pick all of your ingredients. So, like stuff like that has been really cool. nice because I can just yep. be like, I'll just do these and then I don't have to be difficult and I can still outsource some of my food making every once in a while when I want to. But yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah, I worked I worked as a server for like six years and mm-hmm. I totally, same thing where you'd be like, what is like, I, I worked at uh, the casino for a while <laughs> and uh, you've run into really interesting characters there because sure. they're all like, you know, poker players mm-hmm. and 
uh, blackjack players regular. So they're there every day, like five times a week or at least. And they've got really specific things they want. Like I want you to rebrew all of the coffee and I want you to get me this fresh out of the fryer. I know these people. people. Yes. Yeah. But they also gave me like hundred percent tips. So like, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what you tell me. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess, I mean, you've got classes, so obviously Mm -hmm. that's a great resource, but what other resources would you recommend to people who are looking to maybe eliminate or reduce, um, gluten in their diets? So the resources that I came up with when you mentioned this a moment ago, um, <laughs> I can't say that I have any like organizations or specific websites that I go to. I'm grateful that I have a doctor who she's at the Omani Center in Pewaukee, uh, Dr. Rose Kumar, who is an integrative uh, health professional who um, also does cooking classes. So she's big into nutrition and plant-based eating Um, so she's always been a go-to person for me. You know, we've, we've actually talked a lot about food in the time that I've been her patient for the last 15 plus years. Um, so she's been awesome. Um, another place that I think of that isn't necessarily a resource, um, you know, where they're taking calls or having a, you know, a website, but I volunteer monthly at Tricklebee Cafe in um, Sherman Park. So it's a pay what you can cafe on uh, 45th and North approximately. And so they focus on, um, they have kind of this low waste, no waste mindset like I do with with my classes. That's another uh, aspect of my classes. So they also, um, by choice, uh, are making a lot of their food uh, plant-based. I think it's I don't know if it's all vegan or vegetarian. It's yeah, definitely no. vegetarian, but maybe I went there. Vegan. Yeah. Yeah. And then most times, you know, gluten free as well. So when I have volunteered there and I usually do, um, if I, you know, if, if I do food prep or, you know, I'll help, um, with, with service when so I'm cooking on the line. And so they'll have like a guest chef or they have, you know, a couple of, um, chefs that they have in their regular rotation. Cause it's, you know, a lot of volunteers there. And, so some of those chefs who I have worked with are creating these vegan dishes, making like, you know, crab cakes or the Friday fish fry with vegan ingredients. And you would never know yeah, that that's so are cool. not, again, you know, if you are vegan, maybe you don't even want to have that sensation of like flesh or something, you know, in your mouth. But it's just been mind blowing to learn some of those different um, tricks, you know, and then also with, with gluten free you know, things that they're doing, um, to substitute ingredients in, you know, their little desserts or their, or their muffin of the day or whatever. Um, that's been, been cool to learn, you know, and I've, like I said, I've done this for, you know, I worked in restaurants for 15 years and, and have been teaching for, um, close to 20 now. And I still have so many things that I've been learning from people. So it's been awesome to, to have that, um, in my regular, um, you know, place that I, that I go and, and, um, learn. So, yeah. Yeah. I went to trickle B. Yeah. Like a few years ago for a cooking class, mm-hmm. which was really fun. And yeah, I think everything that we made was vegan if I remember correctly. Definitely. So yeah, I don't know if it's all vegan cause it was just a particular class, but right. it was all really good food. Um, Fantastic. Yep. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and then any other like, uh, 
Well, I guess what's what's your advice for people if they're if they're trying to go gluten free? Like, what's how do you think they should approach it, or what should they be prepared for? Well, like I said, uh, changing your expectations for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I have another thing that I have shared with with my students. I mean, I've done you know classes on like restocking your pantry to be gluten free, that sort of thing. So, if you do intend to, um commit to that, or if you, you know, you have to commit to it, it can be expensive to go with all of the pre-made or pre-mixed things. And so, you know, being concerned about, you know, a budget as well. um, This is one place that I'm really grateful that I have the ability to cook from scratch still. And so if, if you're trying to do this and you're also on a budget, I would say, do what you can to get the resources to know how to restock and cook or bake from scratch, not only because um, it's cheaper, but I also tell people, you know, sometimes you can go out and get really great gluten-free prepared items or, you know, buy a box mix, but there's still other things in there that you don't necessarily want, you know, preservatives or higher sugar or whatever. And so if you really want to tailor it, um, you've got to have more control of the inputs, you know, so cooking and baking from scratch would be the way to do it. Um, I also have developed a formula for converting uh, baking recipes. And I always say non-yeasted baking recipes, because that's a different story. Oh, that is important. Yeah. Yeah. How to convert them to be gluten-free. When I, when I um, was faced with that, you know, I had I have boxes and files of recipes and my grandmother was a cook for a living. So I had all of her old recipes and I thought, oh my goodness, what now I can't use these. I can't make these. And so I developed a formula to, um, to rework those recipes and, you know, it took some, it took some trial and error on my part, but in general, you know, I always tell people in general, cause you know, your oven is different or, you know, your baking powder is more fresh or whatever. Um, in general, this has worked for me. So that's something that I, that I share in my classes. And, um, and, you know, I, I invite people to kind of play and know that the first time you do something or you prepare it in a different way, it may not be what you had in mind. So you've got to allow yourself some time to learn, make mistakes, you know, and I realize that not everybody has endless funds to just, you know, spend money on something that's going to turn out inedible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that, I mean, in all honesty, that's a, that is a huge luxury, um, to be able to experiment in the kitchen, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, but that's something, if you, if you want to do this from scratch, that's something you've got to allow is that time and patience. So, yeah, for sure. Well, and I've I've had so many good I've I've gotten so many good resources from I mean other blogs and like YouTube is such mm-hmm. a great resource for for yeah. kind of trial and error things and the one thing that came to mind too this isn't necessarily for gluten-free stuff but there is a there's like a uh, I bought a instant pot a few months ago oh, and like cool. jo- joined that cult and um there's, there's a couple that is dedicated to, it's kind of like America's test kitchen for uh-huh. pressure cookers. Yeah. And they're like, here's, here's how, when we did these settings for these minutes and these yeah. five different ways, here's how it all turned out. So there's also like, I'm sure you can find that for gluten-free baking too, right. where it's like, okay, well this person tested it out for you. At least you can kind of get within that 
you know, like get a little bit more precise with it, but it is also really fun to play. Like I, um, I just adapted. So I'm, I've been obsessed with a sourdough starter lately. That's my, uh, you know, me and everybody else right now, but, um, yeah, somebody offered me one of those and I was like, sorry, I don't think that's going to be for me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like every, every, uh, person who can have gluten on the planet right now is like, they're tending a sourdough starter and I'm one of them. And, uh, but it was weird because it would have happened anyway, because it's the only type of bread that they really recommend for low FODMAP eating is like sourdough or, you know, gluten-free. And so, um, I started, I started tending it and it's like, I found so many resources from people for, you know, how to feed it and then things to do with the waste. And I, I ended up because you have to like discard some to feed it and grow it and whatever. So I've got all this waste in my fridge that I'm like, I don't want to just throw this out. I want to do something with it. And it felt so rewarding because I, I like found this banana bread recipe, but I was like, I kind of want to adapt everything about this. I changed almost every ingredient, but still kind of kept the proportions in mind and, and like used what I knew from bread baking to go, I think this is pretty close, you know, and it's like, and it came out awesome. So it's very fun to, to be like, okay, I'm going to take this and my knowledge and mix it together. And hopefully it doesn't suck. And like, it didn't suck. And I was so happy. And I'm like, Ooh, now I have this, like, I made it with spelt, which is um, also like, you know, a lot better for people who are, who have like, well, so I've got SIBO and IBS. And so they always, they recommend like spelt, you know, like stuff that's a little bit easier in your system. And so I'm like, this is so cool. I made it with my own starter and I made it with spelt and, you know, like it was, it was totally like vegan and dairy free. And you made notes notes about this recipe, right? So you can replicate. Yes. Yeah. So I actually, I'm, I am going to post it on my blog by the time this podcast is published, it should long be up on my blog. So I will link to it in the description for the podcast for anyone interested, but I was like, so excited about it. Um, so I love that playing, you know, it's so great. Yeah, definitely. And I wish I had more resources for you. And it's, it's funny because I don't realize until people ask me that question, how little I, you know, like I don't have a TV. I don't subscribe to like a certain, um, I don't really subscribe. I I mean, I love, I love podcasts, but I haven't like been a regular with any of like cooking ones anyway. Um, or any, like a regular with any, um, websites. So I feel like, oh wait, should I be like, I just, I have never been that person. I don't know. I must be doing other things or just trusting that I'm going to play in the kitchen. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, oh, I have all the answers. I don't need to refer to anybody. Like, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know. I, I guess I've never really been that person who, I mean, I certainly have, you know, the resources that I've used, but I don't feel like it's been consistent with one resource is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. Or so, so anyway, but it, now that you ask me that, I'm like, oh, maybe I should, you know, zone in on something and no shooting on myself, but um, it's, it's something that I might look into. Well, if there's anything else that you think of before, before this goes live, just let me know. And I'll, and if she does think of anything, I'll add them to the description of the podcast. Cool. Um, so where can people find you on the internet if they want to take a class or learn more about you? Yeah. So right now, um, you know, things are changing, you know, 
daily, weekly, monthly, whatever with, with COVID-19. But right now I am teaching, um, Facebook live classes from my, uh, Facebook business page, which is MP mindful palette movement practitioner, Milwaukee proud. It's a long name. It's a mouthful, which is exactly why I'm rebranding and renaming very soon. Um, but I'm teaching classes there through it's in conjunction with the Milwaukee rec department who, um, or which is the organization through which I teach most of my yoga classes and a number of my cooking classes. Um, so that's where you can find me these days. I'm teaching three cooking classes a week online. They're in the afternoons and, you know, going forward, um, I have taught cooking and food preservation classes at the urban ecology center, um, from the Riverside Park branch. I've taught there for close to 20 years. And that was actually the, one of the first places in Milwaukee that I started teaching classes. Um, nice. Milwaukee Public Market. Um, I've taught through, you know, different garden clubs and stuff, but uh, those are the ones that are kind of consistent still. So Public Market, UEC, and then uh, Milwaukee Rec Department. Um, and I do private classes and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I have, I had all of those planned, um, through the fall and some of them have, have had to be, you know, subtracted. Some of them were trying to move to an online platform. So, but in general, that's where people can find me where they can stay posted. I also have a website right now, mindfulpalettemke.org. Um, and again, that is, that is to be, it's in the process of being reworked into my new um, brand, but that's, um, that's the place now where my cooking classes live or have lived. And I don't have any live classes in or in person rather classes posted there right now because everything's on hold. Um, but that is, you know, where people can find more information about me and what I do. Uh, and again, that will be fresh and new very soon. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So if there's anything new before, before this goes live, you'll also be able to find those links in the description. So I've got you covered and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I had such a good time. This is my pleasure, Sammy. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, totally. All right. So whenever you guys are listening to this, um, I hope you are well and you're healthy and you're staying safe and take care of yourself and others. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.